invite you to power on your Bible or turn in the one in your book rack to Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue week 3 of our four-week teaching series called Immeasurably More. Immeasurably More. This is actually our theme for the entire year. And we read verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 is where this comes from. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That if we want to see God do immeasurably more in our lifetime, it's going to require that we understand it's he is the one who's doing it. That we don't have to stress ourselves out and try and achieve. We don't have to be the doers. We just have to be the ones who are with the Lord. And then he overflows out of our life. And so we've, we spent a couple of weeks looking at that. And Pastor Darren did an amazing job last weekend talking about how Im- immeasurably more can happen unimaginably slow, can it? Sometimes it can take decades of God transforming your life, and that's okay. If you're in that season right now, we get it. This weekend, I want to take it a step further, though, and I want to read the verse that precedes verse 20. It says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, right before it says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. The only way you see God doing measurably more is if you are filled to the measure of the fullness of God. The Christ is so fully at work in your life, it's overflowing. Now, how many of you feel like you have the full measure of God in your life? <laughs> Yo, you do. I, do. I believe that. Most people, the rest of it, you don't. I know you don't, especially, you know, Eric Maitland's not here. This definitely not Eric. He does not have the full measure of Christ in his life. Most of us never feel like we do, do we? And, and the truth is, we are not meant to all alone. We are meant to use our gifts to fulfill the five ministries of the church That according to Ephesians chapter 4, you only see the full measure of Christ when we work together. See, we're not meant to lead isolated Christian lives. And I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 in just a moment, but I'm going to pause for a second. Because it's Vision Weekend. We're going to tell you about how to get connected to Mercy Road. Going to share our 2019 goals. It's a big weekend. We're asking you to pray for each of these goals. I also know it's a bit overwhelming. I, I love this weekend and dread this weekend all at the same time every year. Because we always cut a song, I get a little more time, but I have to go over all this leadership stuff and these goals. And like last service, I saw a young woman that literally was in the fetal position with her eyes closed over here, falling asleep. And then I had somebody come after, it was actually Andrew Maitland came up to me afterwards and he goes, you know, I have uh, organizational leadership workshops on my Netflix accounts. I really loved today's sermon. So, if you have organizational leadership workshops on your Netflix account, this weekend's for you. (laughs) If you don't, bear with me. We need this every year to keep us on task, on mission, and I am also going to preach an entire message to go with. I think it's going to be really powerful, but pray that it sinks in. Because here's the thing. When I was 19, I had just joined a fraternity at the DePaul University, home of the Tigers. No woos at all. (laughs) Pretty, pretty, oh, we got some Wabash fans, some Wallies in here. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, at DePaul, I became a Christian. I just joined a fraternity, and I, it was really a, a dichotomy to have just joined a fraternity house and then have just become a Christian. And I went through throwing the parties at the fraternity house to, like, starting a Bible study there. Like, see God do immeasurably more. He transformed my life during that point in time. And, but here's what I found. I, I didn't come to Christ in the church. I, I didn't participate in the church. In fact, can I confess something? I never regularly participated in the life of a church until I was paid to be on the staff. 
you all are already ahead of me spiritually. <laughs> because I didn't really see the need for it. I was like, man, I, I, I gave my life to Christ. I have eternal salvation. He's going to work in my life. I got my Bible. I can feed myself. And you can, absolutely. But you never see the full measure of Christ in your life unless you're working together with other believers. The Bible is very clear on this. If you're new to the letter to the Ephesians, and it is a letter, not a book, but chapters, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. He had gone there and preached the good news of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, and he literally started a riot in town because they worshiped this goddess Artemis, and they were very upset. She was the fertility goddess, and he he was ruining not only the religious beliefs, but the local business practices in town. But what happens is a church gets started there. It begins to grow. He sends his protege, his disciple Timothy, to be the pastor there, and it becomes one of the fastest-growing churches in the Roman Empire. And so he writes to, to Timothy in the church in Ephesus, and he tells them, guys, you can see God do immeasurably more but it only happens when you have the full measure of Christ. And it defines that in Ephesians 4, in the next chapter of verses 11 to 13, that that doesn't happen by leading an isolated Christian life. You see, verse 11 says, so Christ himself, this is in chapter 4, we're going to study chapter 4 together. It's talking about what church should look like, how you do church. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors or shepherds, and teachers. The five ministry that any healthy church should have. Now, those aren't the five spiritual gifts. There are lots of spiritual gifts. We're all uniquely given gifts. We'll talk about that today. But it's to fulfill those five ministries. And only when we have those five ministries, and we have them to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining, look at it, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The only way you attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ that he talked about in Ephesians 3.19 to see God do immeasurably more is if you're using your spiritual gifts together to fulfill those five ministries. So the idea that I had as a young man that I was good and church is messy and I never really understood the whole like stand up, sit down, sing some songs, hear somebody talk at me for half an hour, it never made sense to me. Because I didn't really understand what church is. Church is not a worship service. This is just one aspect of what we do. And you're going to hear about that today. But I want to encourage you, if you want to see God do immeasurably more in your life, you'll need to be united with the local church. Now, here's the thing. You may be brand new here, and maybe Mercy Road's not for you. That's cool. No Mercy Road section of heaven. We're about God and his kingdom. And I want to tell you, there are lots of great local churches, but find one. And connect with it. Get involved. Get to know people. One of the easiest ways to do that in our church is just once or twice a month to check out one of our weekend teams. You'll meet a lot of people that way. I encourage you. It's like an easy first step. In fact, this weekend, we have a special thing. If you pull, I told you, get that phone out. Uh, Everybody, right now, uh, do this with me. I know uh, we're going to take the time to do this. Get that phone out. And if somebody told me to do this, I'd be like, I am not doing it. You can't tell me what to do. Just try it, all right? Get the phone out, go to mercyroad.cc forward slash team, mercyroad.cc forward slash team. We even have a little video of how this is going to work. When you go there, this form is going to pop up on your phone. You're going to fill out some basic information. Say, I'd like to learn more about one of these three areas of ministry, whether it's in the auditorium or in the lobby parking lot or in the Mercy Kids area. 
and then find a team that you'd like to learn more about. Now, if you complete this, you're not signing up for anything. You're not committing to a team. You're not getting on a volunteer list. But we're asking you to come to a tour one of the next two weekends just to learn more about how that particular team works and for you to pray about, do I want to start investing there just once or twice a month to say, I want to participate in the life of a local church. That would be our hope and desire. I'm going to mention it again at the end of the service. I want to beat the other two services for the number of people that complete that form. So even if you have no intention of ever doing just fill it out anyway so we can say that we won. Would that be cool? Let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 4 together. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, we want to see that you do immeasurably more in our life, and it's going to take us working together. And that's not easy. That's difficult because we're broken human beings. And some of us in this room have had really bad experiences at other churches, with other Christian community. We acknowledge that, God. We prayed this morning would be healing, challenging. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. May you use this time together. Speak through these words. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 I've had the joy, privilege, uh, heartache of coaching a fourth grade basketball team over the last couple of months. Anybody out there coached you sports before? Pray for those people in the room. Going to need lots of prayer. Coaching youth sports is uh, pretty difficult. I started coaching a fourth grade travel basketball team because my son's in fourth grade, and uh, we had a bunch of kids join the team. Many of them were football players who had never played on an organized travel team like that. And so after a few games, they started playing us against uh, good teams, and we started losing a few games. And some of the guys began to get frustrated and began to bicker with one another, make a turnover. They'd get mad and, you know, say, don't pass the ball to that guy anymore. And then they'd get frustrated, complain about the rest, and they're arguing and fighting. And that never happens in our local churches today, does it? See, teams can often do that. And so I want to give you two solutions to address when there is that bickering and when things aren't going well. And the first one in fourth grade basketball is the obvious one. You've got to find a ringer. You've got to find a ringer. And so I went out and I found one, and we're winning lots of games now. Look at this guy, man. He's just killed it for us on our team. (laughs) I'll be honest, I've had too much fun showing it. That is a total short joke, so could you please let Eric know, he's not here this weekend, that I shared that. I love giving Eric a really hard time because he gives me a hard time every single week of my life. But a ringer, you know, you get that kid who's like in seventh grade playing on the fourth grade team, you're probably going to win. But the best way is to get the team to actually start loving each other and working together, right? playing like a team. So you know what we started doing? When we make a teen over, turnover, rather than getting upset, go tell them, hey man, it's all right. We're going to be okay and give a high five. If somebody makes a good pass, tell them good pass. Somebody makes a free throw, give them a high five. If they miss the free throw, tell them it's going to be all right and give them a high five anyway. Let's see some chest bumps out there. Let's start working together, team, right? You know what started happening? We started inviting people over for pizza just so they could hang out with one another. They started encouraging. It's so much fun every weekend now. They're out there high-fiving each other. They've gotten way better, and they're just having a blast playing together as a team. I believe that part of the problem in many of our church cultures is that we haven't learned how to develop a, a loving culture within our church where we encourage each other, we challenge each other, we're there for each other. You see, if you're taking notes, and I'm going to move very quickly through these few points, is if you want real community, how you form real community. I'm not talking about like fake community. I'm talking about real community. If you want real community, you must, number one, make every effort to keep the unity. 
make every effort to keep the unity. Now, here's what I'm not talking about in our churches. Not talking about that keeping the unity is you can never speak poorly of the pastor or the staff or challenge or critique anything. When we create cultures like that, this authoritarian culture that you see too often in our church culture today, it actually become very destructive. We all need to receive the truth and love as we'll talk about later on. What I am talking about is keeping the unity the way that Paul tells us to in Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 3. See, in Ephesians 4, the preceding part to 11 to 13 is this. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Here's what Paul says living a life worthy of your calling is. Be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. Man, that preach in today's culture, wouldn't it? I see so many people so angry all the time. Angry at people at work angry at our spouse, angry at our children, angry at people on social media who have all the wrong ideological beliefs. Amen? And we're just angry. The early Christians were known for their love. Be gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, make every effort, every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Bible tells us ways to do that. If you've got a problem, go talk to that person directly. Tell them what's going on. And then if they, if they don't want to receive that, bring a couple other people and, and then open it up to others. Like there's a reason we do that because we want to make every effort to keep the unity of the bond of peace, right? What would that look like? See, here's the thing. Our church over time, over the last seven and a half years, we've gone from like literally 12 people meeting in my house to we had almost 2,200 people at Christmas time. It's been crazy. God's still alive. He's living and active. We have seen atheists, agnostic people have their lives transformed. We have many atheist people who join us every weekend, and they're beginning to discover a relationship with God, and it's amazing. But you know what could ruin all that stuff? Bickering and slandering and gossiping and malice. And look, we haven't had that stuff happen. I'm not, we're not like doing some weird, you know, thing, addressing some issue that I should have addressed in a leadership meeting. We haven't had issues with this but we know in church culture it can happen, can it? And so with this year and the goals we're going to share and starting three churches this year, sending them out, you better believe we better be unified. And when we go stretch our faith like that and th- things are going to come up, go talk to those people about it. Let's do every, make every effort to get unity bond of peace because you can be a welcoming church but not be a loving church. You know what I'm saying? But you can see people come in the door and say, hey, we're so glad you're here today. Here's the kids there. There's a cup of coffee. We could be an awesome, welcoming church. And I think we do a great job of that. But being a loving church is another thing. And I think we do a pretty good job of this too. But I always want to challenge us. A loving church takes it a step further, gets to know that person, is there for them in their times of need. If my wife comes home and she comes in the door and I'm like, honey, I'm so glad you're home. Welcome home, honey. Glad you're here. And then she says, that's great, because I got a whole bunch of groceries in the car, because you bring them in for me. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And I sit there on the couch and play on my phone for the next 30 minutes. You better believe I may not physically be alive in this place ever again. <laughs> but secondly, I was a welcoming husband, but I was not a loving husband, was I? Being a loving church means loving people right where they're at. Not in self-righteousness or judgment, but walking with them getting to know them, hearing. There's one of the best stories I heard recently was 
an awesome family in our church that the husband had a, a heart attack and was in the hospital and the outpost leaders of uh, that family went to that hospital. They brought over stuff and they just felt so loved by their outpost. It makes a difference. If you're new here and you're like, what's an outpost? We, we are a network of micro churches or missional communities we call outposts. We believe that is every bit as much church as our worship services. This is just one aspect of us. We empower that. In fact, this year with planting these churches, we've cut almost every ministry budget with the exception of outpost grants. We doubled the size of that because we believe that's the future of our church. We believe that's what's going to change the culture and the society and the communities around us. We want to empower you to live on mission. And so it means our outpost leaders becoming more caring and loving for those in their community and that community loving each other well. Number two, if you're taking notes, that you're not just meant to make every effort to keep the unity, but use your gifts through the local church. I'm going to share this quickly because we've talked a lot about this. See, in verses 7 and 8, it says, but each one of us, grace, if you want to underline or circle the word grace, has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. See, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father after he, the resurrection, and he spent time with the Christians, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He left the Holy Spirit. His spirit is still here, but his physical body went to heaven. So that today, what is the physical body of Christ? It's, it's us. It's the local church. And we only see the full measure of Christ when we use our gifts together. What, what would that, that look like? See, you have each been graced. The word grace, it, it, it's charis. It comes from charismata, it, like charismatic gifts. That every person, you may not feel like you're one of those good Christians, but if you have repented of your life before Christ, you've received his grace and forgiveness, his Holy Spirit gives every person unique spiritual gifts. And you're meant to use those within the local church, that point number two, to make an impact. Use your gifts through the local church. You can use it. You can see God actually use you in a way you don't even think possible. This whole concept, look, I believe in the anointing of God, and I believe God has called me into what I've chased in my life, absolutely. But the idea that the anointed one is only the people who stand on a stage is so foreign to the New Testament The same Holy Spirit that resides in Pastor Darren resides in you. You're going to get even better hair than you have already. (laughs) He's here still, so I I had to make it one more time, man. So the the truth is it does. You can be used. You need to go to spiritual DNA, spiritualdna.me. You can sign up. It's coming up. It's only $17, man, uh, for the first 100 people. I don't know how close we are to that, but as soon as that runs out, it won't be offered anymore, but it's coming up in February. You can discover your spiritual gifts, how to use those to fulfill those five ministries that we're describing, and how God could use your life to make an impact. This stuff matters. In a hurting, broken, angry world, the local church is meant to be the hope of the world. And why are we known for the opposite? I believe that just as verses 11 to 13 said that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are still alive and working today. Now, the apostles, we're not using that like the original 12, right? Like Pastor Luke, I think, is a pioneering leader who has apostolic giftings and has the ministry of apostleship. But we're not saying that Pastor Luke's going to write the inspired word of God anytime soon. Amen. But we are saying that God uses him in that way. Maybe you're a pioneering leader. 
Maybe you hear from the Lord. Uh, I, I know uh, several people on our prayer team that just hear from the Lord and are able to share that with people and sp- speak difficult words into people's lives. Or, or maybe you're an evangelist. Everybody's called the ministry of evangelism, but you can sp- preach the good news of Jesus, and it comes across as good news. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And the people actually receive it and change their lives. Or maybe you're a natural pastor, a shepherd who can counsel people well. You care for the flock well. You're a developer of people. Or maybe you're a natural teacher, not just that you're a communicator, but you can see things clearly and concisely, and you can get to the point and describe and communicate something that they hear it and are taught something new. Like, I don't know where you fit in there, but when we do that, we are equipped to uh, as people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The goal is that, that, body, that Jesus' physical body is still here, that you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we can see him use our gifts to fulfill those five ministries until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Only then will God do immeasurably more in our lives as individuals and in the lives of those around us. And man, our world needs it, doesn't it? Like some of your workplaces need it. Your schools need it. Your homes need it. And God desires to be more at work in your life, and it's going to take other people walking alongside you. So I have to pause for a second, and as we uh, move into the, the second half of this, I want to share our 2019 goals with you. And, and uh, I think they're pretty big, lofty goals, and I believe if we do this, we can take the next step towards changing a state for Christ, which has always been our vision. Before I do that, I want to share you and update you on some exciting things with the staff. First of all, Pastor Brandon Faust, he is overseeing our outposts over the last few months. He's done an amazing job, and we're excited to share. He's going to take you even more responsibility as our new executive pastor of outposts and leadership. Uh, he's going to take on some of what Pastor Dana used to do. We still have a financial team that will work on that side, but he'll oversee HR and the staff and leadership development in addition to all of our outposts uh, as we continue to probably eventually add even more help to that area because it's the future of our church. Secondly, uh, Pastor Eric Lindahl, how many of you know our next-gen pastor? He is awesome. You've got to get to know him and his wife, Courtney, uh, with Pastor Luke taking over the new role of location pastor at the Michigan Road Space, which last night they had their first pre-launch service here on Saturday night. But guys, we had the most people I think we'd ever had Saturday night. It was awesome. And God's on the move there, and Pastor Luke's doing that, but Eric is moving into Pastor Luke's old, old role. He will take on a whole lot of new responsibility, overseeing all of student ministry and uh, kids' ministry. Uh, He will no longer be involved in the day-to-day of the elementary ministry, though. But can we just celebrate kind of a big job promotion for Eric Lindahl? Be sure and celebrate with him today. He's put a lot of time and effort, and it's cool to see how God is using him. Uh, But he will no longer be in our elementary class every week. Instead, someone who's been a key volunteer back there, we just hired a part-time 20 hours a week to be our elementary director. Yeah, Shalanda Cheatham. If, If you haven't... Met Shalanda yet. She's an amazing mom of four, amazing woman of God. Uh, she, she literally has been serving like all four services every weekend. We don't even ask people really to do that, but she has been amazing and just back there all the time. And so she's stepping into that role of 20 hours a week overseeing just the elementary area. We do have a lot of amazing uh, Mercy Kids volunteers, though. 
So it's not just Solander that's been sacrificing back there, and we wanted to fill that role quickly with Pastor Eric taking on his new big role, and so uh, Shalanda will be doing that. However, we do have our early childhood uh, director, 20 hours a week. That role, if you're interested in that, you can email us at info at mercyroad.cc. We'll begin interviews for that, as well as about five to seven hours a week for someone that oversees the lobby area of our uh, uh, kids' check-in and all of the... uh, um, the logistics that occur there. So if that interests you, email us, info at mercyroad.cc. That's some exciting staff stuff that's occurring. We're going to begin to fill out the teams of these new locations. You're going to be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. But here is our 2019 goals. The first one is we want to see 75 people baptized. Now, we try and keep track of people who make a decision for Christ and raise their hand in a service or surrender their life, but our goal is really baptism, and so that's always what we put on the goals. We had 61 people get baptized last year, which is awesome. And so we want to see 75 people this year. I'm going to move quickly through these because there's eight of them. I'm going to highlight just a couple of them. We want to see 150 people complete, not just uh, sign up, but complete rooted. We want to see uh, our outposts grow from 28 to 75 that might seem like a large jump, but we were actually like 17 or 18 a few months ago, and now we're at 28. Pastor Brand has just been killing it. He has another 10 in the hopper of many of you that are finalizing some of the checkpoints to become an official outpost. So we could have 38 within the next couple of months here. So by December, we're hoping to have 75 outposts. Our micro churches that we're um, enabling and empowering to live on mission in their local community. Growth huddles from 20 to, to 50 or discipleship huddles, intentionally one year discipling relationships. And number five, this is probably the biggest one. Last year, can we just celebrate that we gave away over 40% of the f- total giving outside the walls of the church to make a bigger impact in our communities and beyond? We set the audacious goal about five or six years ago of getting to uh, 50% forever outside the walls of total giving um, within 10 years. And we did it about four or five years early, which is just insane, guys. It took a lot of hard work. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being a generous church. And so it's pretty exciting to share that news. That is of total giving. A large chunk of that will be going to these new churches uh, in the coming uh, next three years. So it's exciting to see all the church planting happening. Number six, I want to highlight this. Diversify the staff, leadership, and teaching team. Now, look, we, we come from all different political backgrounds in here, but one of the things that has really bothered me and some of our leaders over the last couple of years, there was a time uh, five years ago where of the four or five people on our teaching team, I was the only white male. And that should, it should bother us, the change that's occurred over the last couple of years. And it didn't happen intentionally, right? Like we just have seen God use people that have come up in our church, and we had a couple amazing people move away. That can happen, but we want to address it. I believe when we get to heaven, it's going to be really diverse. (laughs) You agree? And so that should be represented in our local churches. And we're not going to hide behind something where uh, percentages of a particular suburb doesn't look. No, we want to live differently. And so we want to diversify our staff. We want to diversify our leadership team in every way. So be praying that that happens. Uh, Number seven is... Uh, this is the big one you guys already know about, starting the first of our uh, three additional Mercy Road church locations. If you're new to Mercy Road, these will be locations that within five years will become their own self-sufficient church. They will share the Mercy Road name, vision, and values, outposts and huddles, one to get giving away 50% of the resources outside the walls of the church. They'll be a part of the greater church planting umbrella we got to help start called Multiply Indiana. 
It's awesome, 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 all that God is doing. Multiply Indiana has planted about 10 churches in two and a half years. It's amazing. And so we're going to get to do about four more of those. Three of them will start this year. The Michigan Road one, we are currently renovating the building, the former ITT building near I-465 and Michigan Road. We hope the renovation is done by July or August. Pray for that. You never know how those things go. But our goal is that we could start having our Saturday night services right now are being dedicated to Michigan Road. Anybody's welcome, even if you have no intention going to Michigan Road one day. Uh, but when we launch them over there, we hope to do that in August or so. Then uh, the Fisher's Geist location, we get closer every week to finding a property. And so be praying, praying. That's the big one that's laying out there. We have a lot of you, hundreds of you from that area that drive 25 to 30 minutes to be with us every single weekend. And we're excited to help you live on mission closer to your community. It's happening, guys. So get ready. Then the Mass Avenue downtown location, most of you know, but if you didn't, we signed a lease that beginning in August, we will have the space on Sunday mornings at the Athenaeum right on Mass Avenue where Cochette Coffee is in the auditorium in the back. It's going to be awesome. If you live down there, man, let us know. Fill out a Connect card today or email us at info at mercyroad.cc. Turn it at the Connect Center. And we want to get to know you and have you join that team as well. But it's all happening. Pray that we find location pastors for Fisher's Geist in downtown because that's the priority. That's what we need. We're a little late on that. So be praying that that occurs. Uh, And then the final one, to help start Multiply Resources, Impact Center and Multiply Records the Impact Center is the top, the second floor of the property that we purchased, the former ITT building that we dedicated to a social enterprise and nonprofit incubator, making a huge impact in the communities. And so be praying. We're, we want to make one of our goals to help get that started well, even though it is a separate uh, nonprofit. Everybody track it. If you want to leave that up there for a minute, you want to get a picture of that. That was the organizational leadership portion of the service. Can we all appreciate that that is over? I make light of it, but I, I'm excited because I believe if we actually see this happen, we're taking the next step to changing the state of Indiana. If we want to see a million people come to Christ, this is the next step. I pray that God continues to give us discernment of how to fulfill his purposes. I believe that we could actually change the state. This might be the most critical year in the history of our church as we go from one to four churches. Like, that's nuts. That is nuts. And that's why it's going to take you to begin to go, man, I want to help do this. I only get so many years on this planet, and I want to do something that's going to matter 100 years from now. I believe this is the most important thing you could do with your life. You don't have to believe that, but I I believe that. And so, man, uh, an easy step for some of you, go to mercyroad.cc. Let's show the video again. That'd be fun. mercyroad.cc forward slash team, and you could actually uh, sign up there to go learn about one of those teams. That's fine, guys. You can save it towards the end where we intended to. Third point, if you're keeping notes, is this. So here's the problem. We need to be united in the local church. We need to use our gifts in the local church. We need to keep the unity. But too often, we struggle with loving each other well. And Paul addresses that in the letter to the Ephesians right after verse 13. He he talks about speaking the truth in love to each other. Point number three, if we want real community, we must speak the truth in love to each other. See, it says in verse 14 to 16, right after that section we just read, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's love that holds the body of Christ together. Amen? And the problem is that in our society, in our culture, too often we let the anger and the animosity of the world creep in and replace where there was supposed to be love with the very things that are destructive outside of a church. And before you know it, the body of Christ begins to fall apart and that ear isn't real effective when it's not connected to the body. The toe doesn't serve its purpose when it's just a toe by itself and it's kind of gross, right? So you have to begin to go, I'm going to be a part of a loving community. That means we need to speak the truth and love to each other. Now here's the thing. Uh, You can err on one side, right, where you speak the truth, but you do it out of self-righteousness and condemnation. And we've all been around Christians like that. And that is not biblical. But I've had it done to me in the last few months by people who care about our church and care about me to speak the truth and love to me. And and usually when someone does that to you, your initial response is go, nope, you're wrong. (laughs) Right? Let's be honest. Nope, you're wrong. And and then I had to reflect on that. I go, okay, well, maybe God's trying to use this person. And then I go, yeah, you know what? You're kind of right. And I need to receive that. And we need to be the type of community that can do that with one another. That, that goes much beyond just a welcoming church, but a loving church that cares for each other enough to be honest, to speak the truth in love, that we're not afraid to alienate people, to be honest about what the Bible does and does not teach, right? But we do it out of love and grace and mercy, not out of condemnation. There's a difference. That's how we have to address the disunity that you often see in our churches. We need to learn to love deeply, which is one of our portions of our motto that I'm going to share with you in a moment. Fourth and final point is this. We must speak the truth and love to each other, and then we must forgive each other. We must forgive each other. Why is this the hardest thing? I'm amazed at how many people, how many adults who lived their whole life and were never taught how to forgive someone. I didn't mean to say this this weekend. I end up saying it at all the services. I grew up in a small town I don't know if you, were, if you grew up in a small town or not. I grew up in a small town. Like, you have to learn to do this in a small town. Because if you don't, you're going to see that person at the store. At the, you're going to see him at work. You're going to see him at school. You, you can't get away from him, right? So if you're just going to avoid that person for the rest of your life, is the only solution. But something happens in our, our cities, right? There's almost 2 million people in the metropolitan area here. If you have a problem with somebody, it's real easy. You just cut them out of your life. You go find new friends, you find a new church, you, you never have to address anything. That's totally unbiblical. God desires for us to forgive each other and learn how to receive forgiveness and share forgiveness. Now look, the Bible also is very clear that if somebody is unrepentant in their life, you don't have to forgive them for a wrong they did to you. You know that? Because God doesn't. If somebody doesn't come and repent and say, man, God, I need you. I, please forgive me for my ways. He, doesn't, he says, you can have what you want, which is a separation from me. But if someone comes and forgives us, we've we got we to gotta receive that. And, and they ask for forgiveness, we've got to give that. Because it's part of actually living out what the Spirit has instilled in us to actually love each other well. So the question I want to ask you if we read these verses together is, who do you need to forgive? In your life right now, who do you need to forgive? Verses 29 to 32, if you, if you skip down with me, I'm skipping a lot of stuff in Ephesians 4, but if you get down to verse 29, it says this, Paul writes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, except those who have different political beliefs than us and who disagree with us online, then we should condemn them and get really mad at them. (laughs) Read this next verse, guys. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Woo! That'll preach today in our culture, won't it? If we want to see God do immeasurably more, we got to fight for unity. We got to use our gifts, but then we got to learn to speak the truth and love to each other and learn to forgive each other. If we are not the reconcilers in the world, who will be? The New Testament is abundantly clear. Paul writes to the church in Corinth that you and I, if we're Christians, we're ambassadors of Christ, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We are meant to bridge the gaps in an angry world. And when we let the anger and animosity and the slander and the rage of the world seep into our churches and in our Christian lives, we are falling so short of what the local church is meant to look like. The early Christians were known for their love. That's what transformed people. Do you realize we have many atheists and agnostic people who attend our church currently or who did in the past, and many of them have come to Christ? You know the big life-changing thing that truly transformed their, their beliefs? They started asking questions, and they began to pray and encounter God, but then they saw how people loved each other here and how you don't see that in any other place in this world. And that's what transforms lives. If we're the reconcilers, if we're the lovers, you can have strong beliefs, you know, speak the truth in love, absolutely. But anger, animosity, malice, like unless it's righteous anger, and too often we think we're the righteous one, we, we aren't really fulfilling the example that Christ set for us of being the reconciling force in our culture. We must forgive each other. We must look differently than the rest of the world. As I close our time together, I want to remind us of our, our four vision things that drive us as a church. Our, our, our motto, our model, our mission, our movement, our four M's. And the first one is to live boldly and what? Love deeply. We talk a lot about living boldly. But loving deeply, the rest of everything on this list will never happen if we don't love each other and others deeply. Uh, God, Jesus kind of said that, right? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Like if we don't love people deeply, and loving is not just welcoming. It's saying, I'll, I'll go get the groceries for you. I'll help you. you. You're even wrong right now, and I know it in my head, but I'm just going to serve and love you through this. Loving each other deeply is the hard part of seeing God do immeasurably more in our lives because it requires us to rely on him to develop real loving community. And that's how we see uh, uh, people far from God come into a passionate relationship with Jesus. That's how we see a million people through the wake of impact reach throughout the state of Indiana, which is an insane goal. We know that. When we were known for our love, what would that look like today for you? It might be that we need to fight for the unity in the local church, to use our gifts through the local church, to speak the truth and love to each other, to forgive each other well, but also to remember this, that the early church was not a building. 
It wasn't a destination or a place. It was people, a community living on mission for each other. It wasn't just about the coffee and the donuts. It wasn't about our worship service together or people on a stage or some nice lights, although we like them. Like, it's not just about that stuff. It's about actually seeing God use our life together to live on mission. And none of that happens if we can't love each other well. To be there for each other when they're in a time of need. To find the people in your life. And if you never make yourself vulnerable enough to have real community with somebody, you're leading that isolated Christian life that I'm actually very fond of in my sinful nature. If you do that, you will never see the full measure of Christ. You'll never see immeasurably more happen through of God working in your life because you're just that isolated Christian that don't understand the, lo- the role of the local church. What does that next step for you look like? Maybe it's to fill out that form we mentioned, just begin to volunteer once or twice a month. Maybe it's to begin to find an outpost, to get involved, go to spiritual DNA coming up in February. I'm not sure, but I know we all need to take it. The first Christians were so serious about the mission of Jesus, they didn't have time for what we think are the most important parts of doing, doing church. And we've seen over the last seven years that that's what's changed people's lives radically. I believe we have a huge vision for 2019 but it won't happen if we don't love the people in our lives right in front of us well starting with our family with our friends our friends in the church and outside of the church to say we are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and Jesus came to serve others not to lord over them you ever notice that in the new testament and so loving people means serving them well regardless of what we get out of it we're not just christian consumers we're saying god use us we want to love you and serve you And I've gotten a little bit passionate all weekend long about this because I've realized this preaches to myself. You know what has happened to me that's driven me nuts, driven me nuts the last year and a half or so as our church has continued to grow? There was a time in our church, some of you back at the old building on College Avenue, you remember when like you'd walk in, it was like a fraternity party because we were in this little building and you had to stand this close to it. It was really easy to get to know everybody. I knew everybody back then. I knew their names. I knew their family. I don't know everybody today. It's not. We had 2,200 people at Christmas. It's not possible anymore. And so the, the love can't be like a staff-driven thing. We've got to love each other well in our communities. I'm not, this is already happening. I just want to make it very clear in 2019, immeasurably more only happens when we love each other well through the local church. I want to invite you to live that way, to live differently than everyone else around us. Will you pray with me? God, I, I thank you for everybody coming to the organizational leadership weekend. And yet, God, you've been using it. And so first, we surrender our vision to you. If any of those goals aren't of you, take them away. If they are of you, as we've been praying, God, may you use them, may you actually see them fulfilled. We've never met all of our goals in a year. I pray this will be the first year. Please, God, we want immeasurably more of you in our lives. And then for some here who, maybe who have been Christians for a while, but have not connected or committed to a local church, but would be, want to begin to do that, to have real community, to love each other well. I want to give you that opportunity right now. God, I want to begin to say, I want to connect to the local church again. Help me to do that. I surrender my time in order to see that happen. Show me the best way to get connected. And then I want to talk specifically, maybe you're here today and that whole anger and malice and slandering like you've had that creep into your life recently and you're kind of embarrassed about it it's okay I know what that's like 
Maybe today is the first point to acknowledge that and surrender that over to the Lord. Pray this with me. God, I admit I got some anger inside of me. And I want to see that changed. I want to be known for my love. And so I ask for your forgiveness, your mercy and grace. I give you my anger. May you help it turn into love. And then finally, for the person in the room that you've never received the eternal forgiveness for your heavenly Father, I want to give you that opportunity as well. Pray this with me. God, I confess that I need you. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. I repent of my old life. I do that beautiful thing. And I surrender everything in my life to you, Lord Jesus. Use me to change this world. We love you and we give you our time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.